Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. And a good Monday morning. No, I am not Carmen. Yeah, Carmen's got the day off today. She's traveling back from a wedding. So I'm Paul, usually the producer today. Your host on Mornings with Carmen here on Faith Radio. Ben Holson is at the controls. So yeah, he he just waved. He's still waking up. He's still waking up. This is kind of early for him. Anyway, thank you again for uh, joining us. Okay, we just heard it a few moments ago, the Growing Your Faith verse of the day, which is Proverbs 23, 17 and 18. Don't envy sinners, but always continue to fear the Lord. You will be rewarded for this. Your hope will not be disappointed. You know, the book of Proverbs offers a lot of bits of wisdom about living wise lives, living lives of integrity, integrated lives, really, starting with the fear of the Lord, which is, after all, the beginning of knowledge, according to Proverbs 1, 7. We follow God's ways and his designs because by doing so, we'll prosper in this life. So will our families and our communities as we live in these ways. But then, but then we see those who flaunt the wisdom of Proverbs, for that matter, all the ways uh, that God teaches us in the Bible. You see a tyrant living in an opulent palace while his people live in poverty. You see some businessman poison water supplies with toxic chemicals and a community that depended on that water supply is affected, but the businessman pays government officials off and gets away without having to clean up the mess. Some famous or very rich person with lots of money does some sort of crime and gets off thanks to expensive lawyers. And someone betrays you. And they seem to be doing well in life and you're struggling to make ends meet. <laughs> you want to prosper? You want that good stuff too, don't you? Why are these people getting off? And for that matter, does that mean the way of wisdom in Proverbs doesn't work? Is God not keeping his promises? You know, there are many things that could be said at this point. One is that Proverbs is a book of principles, not promises. And while that is true, that truth can ring hollow and very unsatisfying when you see what's happening and you're kind of envious of these people who are thriving while ignoring God and his ways. Then this verse itself, okay, yes, Proverbs, a book of principles. But this one does the, read the words again. Don't envy sinners, but always continue to fear the Lord. You will be rewarded for this. Your hope will not be disappointed. That seems like a promise, doesn't it? That can add to the frustration of the moment. That's the issue. It's the moment. Remember that. It's not all of life, not all of eternity. God is not done. There is a really good companion psalm, Psalm 73. If you've never read it, we'll do it right now. Because here, Asaph, the writer of the psalm, was tempted to give up on revering God. So again, let's read it together. Truly God is good in Israel to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant 
when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, for they have no pangs until death. They're not in trouble, as others are. They're not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a a garment. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens. Their tongues strut through the earth. Therefore, his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there, no, is there knowledge in the Most High? Oh, behold, these are wicked and always at These wicked, they're always at ease. They're increasing in riches. All in vain I have I kept my heart innocent and washed my hands in, in, or kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. All, for all the day long, I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said, I will speak like them, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. But when I thought about how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until until I went to the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. Truly, you see them in slippery places. You, you make them fall into ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors, like a dream when one awakes. O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked of heart, I was, I was brutish and, and arrogant, ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. Who, am I, who have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You will put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord my refuge, that I may tell of all your works." Asaph was almost overwhelmed with envy, and envy that is, almost. God will take care of this. If not in this life, he will do so when his kingdom comes. So just rest in him. Now, I want to quickly go back to verse 15 of that psalm, which said, If I had said, I will speak like them, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. This battle for faith is not just about ourselves. It's not about yourself. It's, it's about others, especially our children. Your trusting and revering of God speaks volumes to others, especially to our children. So let's think about our children right now. And I'm sure you are busy right now getting ready back to school time, getting the supplies and such. Maybe you're also thinking about, okay, how can I volunteer and support my kid's school? How can I be involved in my church's kids ministry? And hopefully you're praying through all this. But let me ask you a very important question. Are you seeking God on your children's behalf? David Buring from Lionshare, one of our regular guests, will join us shortly to help us clarify the difference of just praying for and seeking God on your children's behalf and hopefully move us into a more active seeking of God for our children. Here on Mornings with Carmen, I'm Paul filling in today here on Faith Radio. Are you seeking God on your children's, your grandchildren's behalf? 
I'm Paul. This is Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Maybe you're saying, well, I pray with my kids at bedtime. Uh, we pray for our kids uh, our, ourselves. What else is there? <laughs> oh, Dave Bering, there is a lot, isn't there? Hello, Paul. There is indeed. We can always be praying for our kids and grandkids. Yes. Dave Bering is with Lionshare Discipleship Ministry. You can find them at lionshare.org. But today we want to talk about, and this comes from a podcast you did last year, about seeking God on behalf of our children. Now, for for people going, okay, I, I'm praying and all that, what does it mean? In your mind, when you're talking about seeking God, explain that to us. Tell us about it and how you and your wife practiced it. Yeah, so actually for me, I was first the beneficiary of it, Paul. I grew up in a home where my mom would get up uh, at 4.30 in the morning and she'd get away by herself with her Bible and she would pray for her husband, myself and my brother, Tom, and for our nation and the nations in, in the earth. And she would intercede for us and she'd really pray and cry out to the Lord. And she kept these little red notebooks where she would write down her prayers and yesterday paul is yesterday actually was my birthday today is my mom's birthday oh. she turned turned 90 and so what's your mom's name again uh, evie happy birthday evie and Salute. so um mom just turned 90 today and so we spent the day together yesterday with my family kind of celebrating and and i was reflecting on some of those kinds of moments in her life so i I would say that as a guy now that's been in ministry for what, let me do the math, 46 years, been following Jesus now for 51 years. Mm. It, a lot of that came because I had a mom and, and dad too uh, that prayed for me. And uh, so I feel like first and foremost, I'm, I've received the benefit of that faithfulness. Okay. But it wasn't just praying for you. What was happening in those prayers, I guess, is the question. Yeah. Yeah. And so my my mom would begin to really pray for things like um, my future, you know, the, the giftings that I had, that they would emerge. Like I remember when she met Cheryl for the first time and knew we were engaged. One of the opening lines was, I've been praying for you for many years. <laughs> and, uh, you know, unknown to mom who it would be, she'd been praying for my spouse. And so, you know, I think there's things related to uh, what your children are dealing with at any given moment, to praying for their callings and careers, to their spouse. There's all kinds of things we can be praying for. So I think taking the leap beyond, you know, the wonderful moments we have of praying for them uh, before bedtime is is really seeking the Lord to say, God, how would you have me pray for my children? And there's a bit of listening in that, isn't there? There's a lot indeed. of listening. Yeah, indeed there is. It's it's, you know, I, I love a passage in First John that talks about, it's in First John 5, where it talks about that if we pray according to God's will, he hears us. And so it's one of those places for me as a young guy, it's actually one of the memory verses, my mom's uh, Bible study when I was probably 12 was going through. And so it's been stuck inside of me for a lot of years. And and it's it's that reality that when we go to prayer, it's not just meant to be kind of the shopping list or the wish list. It's actually a bit of a a listening. And so there's a posturing, because uh, I say it this way, maybe a purposeful posturing mm. of prayer, where it's 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 setting aside some time to say, God, I, I'm praying for my child or my grandchild, and I just want to know how you would have me pray for them and letting the Lord 
put some of those thoughts and impressions into your heart and mind where you can specifically begin to pray for them. We're talking with Dave Beering from Lionshare about seeking God on behalf of our children. And when we continue in a few moments, we're going to move from just the prayer part to then, as, as parents, actively living out in participation, in participation of what God has called you to do for your kids, the tending of their calling. We'll get to that in just a few moments here on Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. More than just praying for your kids, seeking God on their behalf. That's what we're talking about right now. I'm Paul, filling in for Carmen on Faith Radio. And Dave Beering from Lionshare is joining me, and we're talking about Seeking God on behalf of our children. And Dave, uh, I want to back up just a little bit because I remember when I listened to the podcast that you you were talking about this, you talked about how you and your wife had those certain times a year you would kind of get away by yourselves and do some intentionally seeking of God on behalf of your kids. Now, these were kind of with transition points, maybe in the school calendar or life calendar, wasn't it? Yeah, so Cheryl and I do something we call prayer retreats, and uh, where we will just get away and seek the Lord about a number of things that are going on in our lives, and and one of those things, you know, was our kids. And so, you know, not to make this overly spiritual, I don't mean that at all, Paul. We just, but there would be times like, say, if Malia was finishing fifth grade, uh, our daughter, and she was going to be going into junior high. That Sean and I would seek the Lord to say, okay, Lord, is the natural progression of schools where she's supposed to be next year? Or mm-hmm. do you have something else in mind? And, you know, and it it led Malia, as it did our son Ryan, into some different um, school moves at times. And, and again, I don't mean yanking them around, but it's like in those key junctures, is this the high school you want them? Do you want them to be at this school, the public school, the private school? Do you want us to homeschool? Like we just didn't presume Mm-hmm. We asked the Lord and, you know, Paul, one of the the blessings for me, like my son, Ryan, where we ended up, you know, having him go as we sought the Lord for his, his high school years, like his best friend to this day. And Ryan's now 39, his best friend to, to this day came out of those four years of high school. Mm. And so he's continued in friendship with this young man named Jesse now for about 24 years. And so I think there's a reality of seeking the Lord, not just presuming because, well, you know, in our district, this happens and this happens. It's actually, Lord, do you have anything else in mind here and not presuming? And sometimes when you when you seek the Lord about that stuff, he drops some things in maybe that you weren't expecting, but it ends up being a true blessing in your Mm. child's life. You're also doing a lot of discerning of your your child's calling. Now, by that, I don't mean, okay. You feel called that your child is going to be a uh, 
I don't know, a heart surgeon, something. You're not talking about the occupation per se. You're, you're talking about something deeper as far as their calling. Explain that. Yeah, there's there's two pieces for it. One is one is character. Mm-hmm. You know, like what are the character qualities in light of, you know, you being the most vested person in their life? What are the character qualities that you're seeing there in light of knowing that God's got a call on their life to do certain things? What can you develop there? And then the other side of that, Paul, would be um, it's like paying attention to maybe interests and abilities. Like, for example, are there certain, particularly as they get more into junior high and high school, are there certain groupings of people that they tend to be drawn to? Like, is it a uh, a certain group of people like, hey, they're really drawn to um you know, Native Americans, and there's there's this passion they have for the precious people of our country that they want to serve them and bring the gospel to them, and or is it something where they have this mercy gift and they're drawn to people with particular needs, hmm. or or is there maybe um, certain tasks like you just see, hey, whenever there's kind of nothing there, they go create something out of nothing, or or there is something there, but it's it doesn't seem organized and the ch- your child tends to go into that setting and they just have this natural ability or a spiritual gift even of administration where they organize it you mm-hmm. just go wow and so I-, I think exposing your children to various kinds of opportunities where you can watch them and observe them or even fall inviting them to come alongside you and serve with you in some capacity at your church just have them tag along It's a way for you to observe some of their strengths and interests that God may use later in life. Okay, we're again talking with Dave Beering from LineShare. You just started talking already, moving from, okay, you've discerned different aspects about their calling, and then you're shifting it into tending. You were talking about, okay, you see that they're good at this aspect of ministry, and you let them join you or join with somebody else at church doing that. You're tending. This is a gardening term, but I think it's such a good term tending their garden explain that and how you get that scripturally yeah i i think um you know when we look at things in the scripture you see things like for example psalm 139 at the beginning of uh, verse 13 it says for for you formed my inward parts you knitted me together in my mother's womb and in 14 i praise you for i'm fearfully and wonderfully made like god has tucked some things into your child before they were born mm-hmm. i i think of um you know, John the Baptist, it says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. We see the same thing, you know, with with uh, Jeremiah. And so there's this recognition that God created us. And in our mother's womb, some of these things are there. And it's our responsibility to draw them out. I, I've coached high school football over the years. And that was an interesting place with with high schoolers to be able to see giftings that were there. Like there were some that had these leadership giftings. They would step on the field and kind of command the huddle, so to speak, and boom, people would follow. Mm-hmm. There were others that had um, great attention to detail. Like I didn't have to worry about putting them in that position because they would pay attention to detail because of how they were wired. So it's just through normal everyday life. It's as mom and dad, grandparents paying attention, and then coming alongside to encourage in those areas. It's a way you can tend them. Okay, I'm thinking of the movie My, uh, The Mighty Ducks, and there's that one kid who's not the best hockey player, but he's he's the one who 
can strategize so well, and he came yeah. up with the plans. That he, so it's kind of, okay, he may not be the best player, but look at what he's gifted at. Yeah, Farm exactly. that, grow that, grow that. And then one last part about this uh, discussion, when you talked about intentional tending, we as parents, as grandparents, can serve as gateways. Yes. Explain that. Talk about being the gateway. Yeah. So here's a question as parents and grandparents, you can ask yourself is, what has God given you that may benefit your children? In other words, things like, for example, um, passing on some of your skills and talents. Uh, are there certain things that you can do? Like for me, I, I have never kind of had the talents of just, you know, being a fixer, like getting out the screwdriver and getting the hammer out. And it's just not been my strength, but I recognized that I had some relational skills. And so with both of my children, who again are now, you know, adults, 39 and 37, I watch them sometimes in the way they relate to people. And I'm very pleased to see that there were some things they picked up along the way that I was able to pass on. Um, Another thing I've done with my kids is I share my relationships. So, you know, it's not, um, it's some of it's just for fun where they end up having fun with my friends because they got invited over to their house to a gathering where they were going to do something fun. And they thought my kids would like that. And sometimes those relationships turn out to be actually opening doors that maybe I could have only opened for them. And this, this person, uh, for example, my son is engaging in a new job. And so I spent about an hour on the phone with him over the weekend, just saying, okay, Ryan, explain this to me. What, like, how do you get the opportunities through this new job? Like, what do you need? And I just let him explain it to me so that I was literally thinking during that time, who do I know? that Ryan might be able to help or who do I know that he might be able to draw resources from that might be able to help him. So I think those are practical ways too, Paul, we can be a great blessing to our children. Exactly. Well, again, we've been talking with Dave Beering from Lionshare. Again, lionshare.org. And actually, if we can real quickly, can you do a 30-second description of a discipleship journey, kids? Because it's a great tool that parents and churches can use to help their kids. Yeah. So years ago, we did something called the Discipleship Journey for Adults, Mm -hmm. and that's been out now for 20 some years. But um, Laurie Jarvis out of Cleveland, Ohio, helped me to create um, Discipleship Journey Kids. And so it's a way to help you as a parent disciple your children in the things of God. Like, what is God's character like? How do I relate well to people? How do I hear God? It's things like that. It's very simplified. There's a little animation with it. We have a, a characters, AD and J. That, that the kids can watch a little three-minute video and then jump into to one of these lessons. So, yeah, if you visit lionshare.org, you can see where Discipleship Journey Kids is. Cool. Well, thanks a lot again, uh, Dave, for joining us here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks, Paul. Have a great day. You too. Again, this is Mornings with Carmen. Good Monday morning. I'm Paul filling in, and here is Max Lucado. Again, I'm Paul filling in for Carmen on Mornings with Carmen. And again, a big welcome to the Show Me State, to our friends now, new friends in Missouri, listening on our group of stations there. Just came on this month. And if you're one of those who's a new listener and want to know more about Faith Radio, simply text the word WELCOME to 877-933-2484. Then click on the little hyperlink we send back. We'll send you out a welcome pack as a way of welcoming you officially to the Faith Radio family. As for Mornings with Carmen, 
What we're about is helping you apply the mind of Christ to the matters of the day. And we live in a world right now that seems to be so divided. So how can we live out a good gospel witness and have a positive impact on our communities now, in spite of the divisions we have? Adam Carrington will join us shortly. Adam Carrington's with Hillsdale College. This again is Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Blessed are the peacemakers. Oh, something we need so much in our increasingly divided world. I'm Paul filling in for Carmen here on Faith Radio. And while there are several issues these days leading to such deep division, what can we learn from another time of deep division in our culture, in our, in our nation? For that, let's uh, turn to Adam Carrington from Hillsdale College, a political scientist who just kind of knows a lot of stuff when it comes to uh, political history. And so I appreciate it. Adam, you joining us today. Glad to be here. We'll, we'll see. You. Oh, what's that? Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if uh, uh, if I if, if I'm able to uh, live up to you said I know a lot. So <laughs> I'll, I'll see if I can fill that in. Listen, anytime we've talked to you, I've always been blown away by the depth of understanding. So you're, you're good. You're good. It's hard to believe it's been. Um, well, for those who know about Lincoln's famous House Divided speech, that happened. June of this year, or rather June, 165 years ago. And I think that's kind of a helpful uh, speech and a helpful area, era that we can look at when it comes to division in our nation. So I want you to take us back in time. Uh, what was happening in the U.S. at the time? And by using Jesus' words, as Lincoln did, what was he trying to accomplish? Right. Uh, One of his most famous speeches, among many famous speeches, Mm -hmm. and the context in the 1850s was that the the issue of slavery was a matter that the founders had left unresolved. um, And as time went on, a the it, it didn't go away uh, at the at the time of the founding there was a lot of people who thought it was on its way to extinction a lot of states were emancipating but it didn't end up entirely going away and ends up becoming not national but entrenched in part of the country in the south and an abolitionist movement rises against it um a very strong pro-slavery movement rises, uh, a a kind of pro-slavery that argued that racial differences were always good and right in a way that really hadn't been argued before. And by the 1850s, it's starting to rip American politics apart. American politics had tried to suppress it, make it a secondary issue. And it was it had destroyed the Whig Party. One of the two major parties had Mm -hmm. fallen apart because of slavery and had formed a new party, the Republican Party, that was dedicated to at least not letting slavery spread any further. And the tensions had risen to such a level uh, uh, in the late 1850s that it had really become the consuming issue. And Lincoln gets nominated for the Republican uh, 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 to run as a Republican for the uh, Illinois uh, Senate seat. That was the precursor to the famous Lincoln Douglas debates. Mm-hmm. They were debating on the way to becoming uh, who would be the next senator. And um, one thing he points out is when he uses Jesus's words, a house divided against itself cannot stand. The thing you have to think about that is what is what kind of division in a house would keep it from standing because obviously 
that's not every division, right. not every problem in a house, even if you think structurally, um, not every division of it or inconsistency in it is going to be destructive. It really has to be a division within its very foundation. That's what keeps a building's integrity uh, intact or to falling apart. So what Lincoln was saying is it's not that we have any disagreement. Um, we're, of course, going to have disagreements and debates. That's why we have elections and parties and discussion. But we have a division that is in the foundation. And if we don't resolve that foundation, then we can't really be a country. We can't be one people. And he pinpointed slavery as that. And I think what he was trying to do is separate out an issue like slavery that really has to do with are humans equal, who should rule, who shouldn't, you know, fundamental political mm -hmm. questions from things like how high should we have a tariff or not? Uh, how high should a tax rate be? You know, mm -hmm. things like that. So I think that's where it's maybe got some use for us is we have to ask if we're a house divided, it has to really be a foundational question and we shouldn't let the heat of the partisanship of the day reduce everything to a foundational question. But we also shouldn't deny that there might be some more foundational questions that we have to work through. What do you think are some of our foundational questions right now? I would say that some of the, the foundational ones have to, they really usually go down to what what is a human being and what do we owe to human beings because of their humanity? Mm -hmm. And I think that we have uh, two, I would say, uh, predominant issues. One has to do with what are human beings as far as when does their lives begin or end? Mm -hmm. So questions of abortion and euthanasia. Uh, I think that we are having a a, uh, a debate about what it means to be human uh, 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 sexually, and this has to do with sexuality and, and, and issues of sex, and I think we're, we're having that struggle. Uh, and then I'd say the th actually a third one, those two I were kind of thinking together, is the question of how how do we rule as a republic? Um, we have a lot of our government that is being run not so much by the consent of the governed, but by bureaucracy. Mm -hmm. uh, and it has its advantages and disadvantages, but it's it's a system that I think is in pretty steep tension with a representative government based on the separation of powers. And so I think those are the kind of issues where Americans do really need to ask. We need some kind of consensus on this because it's based on how our system of government that's set up is how we're going to actually make laws, have elections, and go forward. You really have to have some basic agreement there. And what is a human being as far as when life begins and, and other questions like that is going to be the basis for how we make just laws. So I think those are ones that we, we, we do have more of a house divided. You wrote in the article, actually, you closed the article with some of Lincoln's opening words where, he, where Lincoln said, if we could first know where we are and whither we are tending – we could then better judge what to do and how to do it. And then you go on to say, we too must judge America's current state and tendencies. We too must ask what to do and how to do it. A house divided against itself cannot stand. So let us strive for renewal of our old foundation. Let us so renew for the sake of a better future. So again, what do you, when you're talking about renewal of the old foundation, what are you getting at there? Yeah. And, and so one thing I had said, Prior to that, or that well, and one I'll say one thing about uh, the part you read that Lincoln is saying, 
you can't just rush in and not take into account circumstances mm. and say, well, here's the answer every time when there's a problem. We have to know what's our problems now, how are they manifesting? But the other thing I say is I I don't tend to think, as some have tried to argue, that we're going to that this ends in some sort of, you know, violent civil war. Some people have tried to say that what in how the slavery question was finally resolved is going to be how we're going to resolve ours. I tend to not think that's the case. I think what will happen is through a series of debates publicly, privately, in elections, campaigns, other things, we will reach a new consensus. But I say before what you read, it's not always clear that the new consensus will be better than the old one Mm -hmm. or that it won't be a mixed bag or something like that. So what I'm calling for is not merely can we get past our disagreements and and find a new consensus, have the foundations be sort of strengthened so that it's not a house divided, but let's try to make them better or at least the best possible. And, and, and at least my implication there is I still think what the American founders built, um, well, certainly as any human made institution, not perfect, did have, I think, fundamental important insights into both how we should govern and what human beings are and what they're owed. And I think that any new consensus that moves further away from that is maybe a new consensus, maybe peace, but not necessarily better as far as how we're going to be living our lives together. So I want consensus and peace, sure, but <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the, but on on the best grounds for treating human beings as made in the image of God, as uh, a republic that's based on the consent of the governed, how can we affirm those principles given our current debates and discussions? I guess one added question I'd have, because, you know, Mornings with Carmen, we're here to help you apply the mind of Christ to the matters of the day. So in all of this, we as ambassadors of God's kingdom first, how do you feel we should be part of such a renewal? Yeah, and this is where, and I know we have talked about this this a few times, and it's it's helpful to constantly be trying to reapply this, that God has instituted both church and political government for our good. The church is going to be the everlasting kingdom that will reign forever. Uh, the political governments will not. But I think what it means is that we have to understand that God has placed these governments and in, 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 in instituted them over us to do certain goods. And those certain goods are meant to be in conformity with our nature, in conformity with God's purpose for our lives. And uh, so I think we uh, we have to be asking those questions. And I think questions about the pro-life movement and how it is operating, questions about having a, a government that rep, uh, respects the separation of powers, and there's all sorts of things, I think, need to be done in relation to that or could be strengthened. Uh, I think we can say that we should not put our salvation in those results, um, but we can say, how can we make this institution God has instituted for our good realize its God-given goal even more and more so that our lives on earth as they are on earth, waiting for the new heavens and new new, new creation, uh, is the best it can be. Mm-hmm. As we continue our conversation with Adam Carrington here on Mornings with Carmen after a short break, there, there seems to be a growing movement of third parties. As a matter of fact, last week there was a, 
um, a big event that happened with this organization that calls itself No Labels, and they're thinking, okay, we may run a candidate this year for president, the next year that is for president. Is this something that a Christian might want to be involved with? If Well, anyway, we'll talk about that with Adam in just a few moments here on Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. If you're a new listener, we want to officially welcome you with a free welcome pack gift. Request yours today at MyFaithRadio.com. Again, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul filling in this morning. She'll be back tomorrow here on Faith Radio. Remember, all our shows are podcasted, so at a later time, you can always go and listen to the podcast again or share a conversation with someone you know. You'll find it at MyFaithRadio.com, on our Faith Radio app, or anywhere you get your podcasts. I oftentimes listen via Spotify. We again continue our conversation with Adam Carrington from Hillsdale College and in the news lately, there is the, a growing movement that calls themselves No Labels. They're a political entity. They're made up of people from both parties, but they're calling for maybe a difference in what's happening right now, Adam, as far as political campaigns. And Okay, give us a background of No Labels, and then we'll go into the talk, talking about what the power of third parties can be. But first, again, what, are, what is No Labels? So, so No Labels has been around since 2010, and in the past, the past since that year, their bigger push has been to have uh, luncheons, events, seminars, things like that to help organize what they call uh, a problem-solving caucus in Congress. And the idea was a push for moderation, a push that's not by being no labels, not defined by a particular ideology or party, and to try to find a way to 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 get things done and to, and to find are there ways of meeting in the middle to accomplish some of the divides and differences that we have. But as you said, where they've come into more prominence is they've never really tried to run a political candidate for certainly the presidency. And they're now talking with so many people not wanting a Biden-Trump rematch. I think it was like 60% of people in a recent poll said they don't want Trump to run again. 70% even higher didn't want Biden. That they are talking about if it looks like that's going to be the matchup. Mm -hmm. They're wanting to put someone forward or at least flirting with putting someone forward as a third party candidate to go beyond just trying to organize the people that are already there. That's what they've been doing so far is mostly trying to persuade and organize people that are already there as part of a of one of the two parties. Would they put someone out as their own candidate and cut through those parties? Okay. well, you know, a lot of people are going to look at that and oh, third party. Yeah, they've never won a major election. So. Why even bother, some people will argue. Uh, actually, third parties have had a, a significant influence on American politics through our almost 250 years. Explain that. Absolutely. And I will say they have won at the state level. Oh, yeah. I mean, those, yeah. those in Minnesota, I know, know that as well as anyone. That's the true. Last years. <laughs> so the uh, – but I, what, I, what I'll say is – our system is stacked in favor of two parties because of the way that our not just our laws, but the way our pre, the way because the fact that we have, uh, um, you know, uh, single member districts with congressmen running from those districts, uh, 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 the fact that we have the electoral college where you have to not just win a plurality of electoral votes, but a full majority, 
that that all is that way. But what third parties have done is a couple things. Uh, in rare instances, uh, while they have not never won a, a a national presidential election, they have at times replaced old parties that fell apart. The Whigs that I mentioned in mm-hmm. the last segment fell apart because they couldn't handle the political issues of the day, and the Republican Party became a third party that became a second party, became one of the two majors. Um, more typical is they will do very well in an election, not win it, but win electoral votes or they'll cost one party the election because they'll take more voters from them. And what that has done is it has forced the two parties to reassess their priorities, reassess their direction, reassess their 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 uh, uh, their candidates and has caused reform within the party itself. Now, I will say the the one thing we will never know is uh, a lot of people don't remember that in 1992, Ross Perot, mm-hmm. when he was running, was leading in the polls and he might have been the first third party candidate ever to win. He then drops out of the race, makes some weird accusations, <laughs> jumps back in later and never quite picked up the momentum again. Still won almost twenty percent of the vote. Uh, but no, it, typically they have been ways of waking up the other parties to reform and change themselves. And it has they have been effective as far as that goes. And just for clarification, yes, my name is Paul Perot. H. Ross Perot. We'd spell our names differently, not the same family. Just want to make sure that was that was clear. <laughs> Adam, one more question for you, because again, here we are as 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 we're you were talking before about our job, our first priority, you know, the eternal kingdom, but also having that influence in our world for the good. So as followers of uh, followers of Jesus, how do you think we should engage such movements such as No Labels or the Libertarian Party or the American Solidarity Party or any other third party for that matter? How do you think we should engage and do so well? Well, I wrote the an article about the pro-life movement about being wise as serpents and innocent as doves. I think that applies here as well. I think that the uh, uh, the, the 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 bigger thing is going to be wise as serpents, uh, but the innocent as doves is you do want to find what is the best way to get the most justice, the most protection for the gospel, the the most um, God honoring for the purpose of government. Um, situation candidates policies possible and the wisest serpents part is going to say most of the time it's probably going to be from the two-party system as frustrating as that can be Mm -hmm. for people because one has to eventually win to be able to do anything um but maybe there is an election where a third party is the best option to maybe not win the battle immediately but win it in the an election or two after that Or maybe there might be a finally an opening where enough people are fed up with it. And this might be the one time in in American history where that changes. I mean, we've seen such extraordinary events happen. You you never know for sure. So I think Christians first need to know where they stand, be clear on the gospel, be clear on justice, be clear on the role of the state in human society from God's perspective, and then engage once you're sure of that in the difficult question of what's the best way to accomplish that and third parties uh, i don't think are a long-term permanent solution like we're going to have a three or four party system permanently but 
they could factor in. And I think that's a question of where are we next year? Where are we in future elections? The Christians have to show wisdom in addition to sticking to their principles. Mm-hmm. All right. Again, thanks again, Adam. Always some good wisdom from you. We really appreciate it. And uh, I, uh, as we were talking before we went on the air, hope all goes well as you're getting ready for another school year over there at Hillsdale. Yeah, same to you all as well. I, I this It's such a privilege to be in the business of trying to to teach and educate the next generation of of citizens human beings but also uh, here as their uh, members of, of, of the church so mm-hmm. uh wishing you all the best too at at, at at your institution as well thank you so much again adam carrington from hillsdale college you can find him on what used to be called twitter um anyway we'll talk about that in a moment but it's uh, am carrington right at twitter your handle? Uh, uh, flip that. Carrington, oh, Carrington AM. AM. That's right. Okay, there you go. Yeah. You can find it. Bye bye, Birdie. Um, yeah, yeah, it's the, now X. It, <laughs> it's like it's like Prince, another uh, Minnesota native. Uh, the, the, the artist formerly known as Prince. It's the platform formerly known as Twitter. Twitter. There you go. All right. Well, again, this is Mornings with Carmen here on Faith Radio. Yep, bye-bye, Birdie. Elon has got you now. Yeah, if you haven't checked, if you have Twitter and you opened it up this morning, there's no longer the little bird in the corner. There's just a big X. Uh, it's all part of Musk's plan. He's uh, He actually bought it and established under the X Corporation, and he has a big plan of having a multi-platform, everything platform out of that that will someday come about hopefully this might be something interesting we're gonna talk to chris martin about this friday he's our social media expert anyway thanks again for listening to mornings with carmen remember to check out the podcast at myfaithradio.com on mornings with carmen and share it too or better yet subscribe to the podcast get it every time again you can uh, do that at myfaithradio.com or on the faith radio app more to come here on mornings with carmen i'm paul filling in today here on faith radio I'm Carmen LeBurge. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Remember, it's your prayerful and faithful financial support that makes both the live show and the podcast available. Make your gift at MyFaithRadio.com.